This is Inside Bristol Live, a weekly podcast that takes you behind the headlines and inside your local newsroom. I'm Alex Wood, your host for this week's episode, taking you through some of the biggest stories and events that have happened in the city. This week, we have got some really exciting guests on the show. First up, we have Neil Maggs. Uh, He's going to be talking to us about a bizarre story that quite simply went viral uh, over the last week about a, a young man called Bradley Stokes who decided to play football for his local team. Bradley Stoke. Bit of a bizarre story, but um, Neil's going to come in, have a chat with us first. And then after Neil, we'll have Michael Young in the studio popping in to talk to us about something a little bit more serious, um, but it concerns schools, uh, schools funding cuts and just how it affects pupils right across the region. And he's going to be tying that in with a piece he wrote this week following on from a new series that's on BBC Two. So two very different topics, but both equally exciting. Let's get into our first one. Here's Neil. Good yeah. to have you uh, back on the podcast. Thank you. Uh, been on before, Thank obviously. Um, but is this the first time then since you formally started here as a, as a news reporter? Because I know you were on, you had the pleasure of being on the, the podcast when you were still working as a, as a freelancer. Yeah. So is this the I've first? This, no, I, I came in in the first week with, yeah. with Tristan. Oh, um, with yeah, our, with, with Zosha. He was criticising my beard and, and we were, dif- <laughs> we were um, deciphering whether I was a hipster or not. Yeah. <laughs> and what did you come with in the end? I said no, categorically, but he seemed to try and indicate I was, but he, he's wrong. He tried to spin it that way, yeah, did he? he's wrong, yeah. um, Well, we're not talking beards today, but yeah. we are here to talk about uh, a young man from Bristol who has made headlines across the world. Mm. amazingly, with a story that originated with yourself uh, at conference, I think it was last week it was, or maybe the week before, where you pitched a story we've probably not heard, but we've longed for this sort of story. We've just just never found it. And you you chimed up with it. What was it? And what was the story? Where did it come from? Uh, It kind of found me, really. So um, this was the Bradley Stokes, Mm -hmm. place for Bradley Stoke story yes um the one and only and there's not much more to it than that, <laughs> to be fair. I, I was given a heads up by uh by a chap called nick tanner who's a former bristol rovers and, and maybe liverpool actually who tweeted and said oh this is he, he lives around that area this is have you seen this this is interesting this is a chap called Bradley. we need a story on this neil mags and he literally just tweeted it so i thought so i then kind of a couple of days later went to speak to him had a conversation and the real interesting thing is not that he in effect, happened to sign for Bradley Stoke. He specifically, intentionally Googled for a team that had the same name as him because he's not, he was a student, so he's not from, he's not from Bristol originally. Right, so okay, he, he graduated yeah. and he wanted to find a football team and he kind of said, uh, yeah, I thought it would be quite cool to um, maybe, like, he knew there was an area called Bradley Stoke. He didn't actually know where it was. Um, <laughs> like a lot of students, he sort of stayed in his kind of little his bubble. bubble, bubble yeah, yeah. And he said, oh, I found a team called Bradley Stoke. I thought I wanted to sign on for them and arranged to go and see the secretary and this is the bit I love and the secretary um, thought he was taking the mickey <laughs> yeah yeah choice of words yeah yeah and made him give him his uh, his passport and his driving <laughs> license to prove that that was the case which is not usual practice I take it with a I local mean, league not really I mean, not you normally, I mean you normally take it at face value I think you don't expect somebody <laughs> to be lying about who their identity do you but they, they literally had to do that um, and it's just kind of gone a bit mental it's sort of mm. blown up bizarrely uh, you know god knows how and that's that's exactly i mean we'll come on to obviously where it's the places it's reached um because yeah. i mean the story is, is still generating still headlines going, and yeah. you know there's there's obviously different lines and angles to it now but i mean when you stumbled across that yeah i mean i don't know if our reaction in the newsroom we all kind of were like this is this is a great story but did yeah. you know 
at that point just how far this story would go. Well, I didn't. I mean, I didn't really realise how um, shallow the general public were, to be honest. Until, <laughs> until uh, you know, uh, we I love mean, you, readers, but yeah, yeah. Yeah, 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 I knew. I mean, I knew it was it was quite quirky and quite funny. Yeah, and I think I did. I, I tweeted it out to. Um, BBC Sport, Talk Sport, a couple of people to say, you know, they sort of, and then they kind of picked it up mm. and just went a bit mad. Um, <laughs> and if I'm honest, no, I didn't initially. Yeah, it, it, I no. no, not at all. I mean, the irony is it probably took me about half an hour to do, and I was working on a story <laughs> at the same time, which took about a day. Yeah. Which has done about a, a 50th as well. Yeah, it's mad, isn't it? You can never, I mean, you can never gauge that truly mm. i mean and yeah. i mean this story is very much the definition of what we would probably say in 2018 is going viral um, sure. yeah and i mean how quick was that process obviously we publish on our site and yeah. generally you know things will be read you can quickly gauge what's performing well but yeah. when a story then gets picked up by other agencies other websites i mean how quick was that it was pretty quick i mean i i i think i tweeted myself personally and just said um this is the best story I've ever written with a little hat, with a little joke afterwards, thinking it obviously it isn't. And it just got, went, it just kept, it was getting retweeted constantly, constantly, constantly. And then the, the actual one that the posted was, and then all of a sudden people were quoting it and it just mm-hmm. went, it went locally. Some of the other BBC people in the city, people like Jeff Twentyman were, were tweeting it. Yeah. And then you had um, ITV people. And then all of a sudden the BBC Sport, then I think the following the main day, thing. right, um, did something on it. But, but the real turning point which I thought was amazing, was I think it was the following day or two days after. Um, I don't know if anybody who's any big football fans will know, if you go to the uh, the BBC Sport page, as a gossip page, oh, yes. which basically tags in all the different newspapers across uh-huh. um, you know across Britain, but also sometimes the wider than da- that. Daily Bible, Daily if, you, Bible if you want transfers, yeah. yeah. And um, alongside Ibrahimovic, some story on Ibrahimovic, or some story on Conte, I think it was something about... Pogba, about, maybe. Uh, about Pogba. <laughs> Um, there was I saw somebody alerted. It's Bradley Stokes signs for Bradley Stokes, and that they actually tagged in the article as well. Um, so our, the one. B, our one, yeah, yeah, yeah. And and the great thing about it is a number of people. The BBC then obviously interviewed him directly themselves and wrote something about it. But mm. the majority of people that have been sharing it have been the the article that I wrote. That's that. I mean, that, uh, that's, really, that's really rewarding, yeah, isn't it? You know, to you've see had that. the it, what what then escalated to the head of Guardian Sport, mm-hmm. the head of the Times Sport. You had uh, people. Uh, he was on the Hawksby and Jacobs talk sport show. Anybody wow, knows that? yeah, which is, yeah. Which is a well, well, very well known show, well established. Yeah, in the sports, uh, sports media, yeah, spoken about on um, uh, Soccer AM, and then it culminated yeah. on Monday morning this week mm-hmm. that um, I was contacted on on the Friday by the producer of the Radio One Breakfast Show with Greg yes, James. Yeah, yeah, and he went on. Um, he went on radio anyway. <laughs> on the <laughs> breakfast show the, the most listened show, to the most listened to radio, radio show, show in the UK, in the UK yeah. in the space of a week wow madness yeah and I mean have you had an opportunity to uh, have a chat with Bradders in yeah. who's at the heart of the story obviously about what you know what does he make of the interest and is he kind of I haven't spoken to him on the phone but we've been messaging each other on Twitter I intend to because I think I'm going to write something about about the fact that this it's, thing it's has gone up. big and yeah. I think what's quite amusing about it he's he's quite nonplussed by it all <laughs> which sort of adds to the comedic kind of value yeah that, and I think that hopefully come, came through in the article was that he was like oh that'd be quite funny <laughs> <laughs> so it's a bit of a you know a kind of chilled out student type and and I said oh can you I said oh Greg James is 
producers contacted me. Are you happy to meet a passion number crosser? Where do you? And he went, yeah, that's all right. Yeah, just, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is every day for Bradley <laughs> yeah, Stoke. Yeah, like, yeah, so I, I'm not quite sure that he's, he's really, he's even not aware of it because he's not tweeted it particularly much or mm. he doesn't, he's not that. He's just, just, no, just taking it. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, fair play. And I mean, did you um, have an opportunity? I mean, we, we talk about him being in the likes of Ibrahimovic, Pogba and mm. all the big players in uh, on yeah. the gossip column at least. Yeah. Um, what's he like as an actual player? Did we get to find out anything about his... Uh... Well, uh, there was a few comments from players from from the club. Oh, okay, yeah. Slate Tane, um, and he's, uh, yeah, he's a centre-half. Right, okay. Good, good in the air. So yeah. he scored, did score a hat-trick from set pieces of about three... A hat-trick from a defender? Yeah. Scored six goals this oh. season. Um, settled in quite nicely, yeah. Oh. I think he's... he's... So maybe some of them to be a... I understand a, a few uh, people might be taking a little interest in their next home game. Yeah. Are you able to tell us anything about... Um, well, yeah. Uh, Greg James has done a sort of call to arms. I think it's the <laughs> 25th, which is the next home game, November the 25th November, yeah. of November. Um, he's inviting... He's coming down. He's invited some celebrities to come down and they <laughs> and they want to try and get sort of 300, 400 people kind of wow. watching. Uh, so and what he did on the show, he also got two other people called Bradley Stokes <laughs> to ring in. So it's quite a common name, phone. in fairness. Yeah, we, so, like I said, we have been waiting for yeah. this sort of story to to present itself. But um, and that was part. That was really the, the original angle of the story. Yeah. Was, Oh, look, there's a bloke called Bradley Stokes. Isn't that funny? Who else is there in the city? Yes, and that was yeah. the original byline. Was that, is there a Lawrence Weston playing for Lawrence <laughs> Weston? Is there a Bradley, a, a Lee Woods playing for Lee Woods? Yes, yeah. And, and, I, and we, I've had a couple of people come back, but but not a huge amount. But I didn't not, necessarily yeah. expect this particular thing to go so... To blow up as much. To blow up as yeah. much. And, and the, the fascinating thing for me, which, I, which is even more crazy, is... Um, I, I've basically been keeping an eye on just retweeting things that mm. I see. It's been retweeted by like news organisations in Bangladesh, yes. Nigeria, yeah, yeah, Poland, Estonia. It's mad, isn't it? So it's it's not even like going viral in the sense that it's it's a UK. It's going global. It, this is a global story <laughs> a global now, making thing. headlines in and all I've these countries. Got to say, <clears throat> a lot of that. I think fifty percent of that mm. is the brilliant photograph that was taken by Dave. Yeah, Dave Betts. Dave Betts. Uh, yeah. Because what he's done is, and it was kind of slightly by accident, because there wasn't a, a sign for the football club. So that's actually a Brad, Bradley Stoke council sign. So his head... The one over his head. One over his head. Oh, everyone everyone wow. hasn't seen it. This kind of almost like a halo over his head or like a kind of Moeken yeah. thing saying Bradley, Bradley Stoke. Uh, I thought... The reason he took that was because he needed to cover the council bit in the, in the, in the sign. Oh, so his wow. head is in front of it. So probably by... I suspect more luck than judgment. That actual photo has made it. Has made it because it's brilliant. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I, I have to say, I had no idea there was a little hidden backstory. Yeah. Just to the, fo- I mean, it is a brilliant. You've got the classic arms cross, yeah. him in his kit, yeah. and then you do. You're right. You've got that Bradley Stokes sign, which I assumed mm. you'd have FC where his head covers the the rest of the words. I yeah. didn't realise that was a. I mean, I don't know if this is something that you have considered but i mean if nothing else it going viral and potentially a couple hundred people might be looking to mm. join great james if that comes off yeah. at their next home game is it great that we're i suppose showcasing local league football and that if nothing else bradley stoke the profile of the club might just you know have risen as a result of this and a few extra people might turn out because it's great to, to think that more people might watch local league football. For sure, yeah. You know, and show an interest yeah. in it. Yeah. Well, hopefully, hopefully. <laughs> you know, it's, whether that will be sustained or not, I don't know. True. But I think in, the, in, in this honeymoon period that they're in, on this crest of a wave, they need to 
take as much advantage Absolutely. of it as, as, as possible. I think. Um, Absolutely. I think it's just one of those one of those little quirky things, isn't it? That that pops up every every now it takes and again. Off, and, yeah. You know, it's one day it'll be a video with a dog falling off a settee, or it'll be I don't know whatever. But it's, other um, weird and wacky. Yeah. News and um, I mean. Interestingly, on the you mentioned uh, just before we started recording about um, you know other stories, obviously that you, you know you're writing stories every day here in in the Bristol Live. That one obviously took off, but it was interesting an interesting parallel between a story that takes not a great deal of time, yeah, and goes viral, and yet there was another one that you were working that you close to your heart, yeah, um, that you were kind of trying to work out. You know, here's a real valid, yeah, genuine you know news story. What was I mean? What was the that other story. So the, so the, so the other that. story that I was working okay. on at the same time was a uh, a story of a partnership between the Safe Me Project, which mm-hmm. is a project that works with um, adults that have been abused as children, and Bristol Rovers. And anybody that knows the the history of football and what's happening at the moment is the high profile um, child abusers involved mm-hmm. in, in in football. You know, we've had Barry Bennell cases and Kit Carras and other people like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so for Bristol Rovers to be in effect on the front foot and creating a, a partnership which we believe is the first in the country is a really, really proactive step for a football club because some of the football clubs haven't necessarily um, handled these these mm. situations and cases quite well. They've been protecting the brand rather than the yeah. welfare of the young person. So really, this is, a, this is a sea change. This is a really proactive thing for Rovers, and it's local to our area. Um, and this sort of came out simultaneously around the same time, and it did quite well. Yeah, yeah. Um, however, it, it for me, I couldn't help thinking, as amazing as the Bradley Stokes thing is, and I love writing little funny, quirky things. That's kind of a little bit what I kind of do as well. Also, in my head, I was thinking, God, this is of so much more value. Yeah. And it kind of almost maybe makes you think about the, yeah, what 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 travels well yeah. digitally and what, yeah. and what doesn't. And, and maybe there's a little bit of a shame that not so many people read that <laughs> yeah. in, in some regard. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I mean, that's that's hopefully what I was, was trying to just explore because yeah. it, we always have those, you know, it's, it's so hard to gauge. Like we said at the start of the podcast about mm. what's going to do well and, and by your yeah. own admission, you had no idea Bradley Stokes was no, going to yeah. generate the headlines it did. But um, I just thought that was worth bringing in, the, the, you know, the other story because obviously we do work And that's, I think that's across the, a range of me things. coming in, coming yeah. in you know, a month in, <clears> probably having the luxury for some time of being a freelancer and writing about what I want, when I want, yeah, and not having to be overly concerned about, um, you know, obviously wanting people to read it, but not having to be overly concerned about mm. that. Now being mindful of what, what kind of will and what won't. And I think there's a, there's a, obviously a tried and tested methodology, but sometimes you just don't know, do you? It, absolutely. And I think that that's one example where, you know, you, 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 just you, can't couldn't, call you it. couldn't have predicted that. No. Um, which makes it great in that, in that regard. Well, um, Neil, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for coming in. Obviously, Bristol Live website, we've got the original Bradley Stokes story. I'm sure if you Google his name, it will come up with all sorts of stuff from across yeah. the world. So do that. And um, obviously, there will be follow-ups in the pipeline, it sounds like. Yeah, going to do something on um, it, I think. So, and yeah. just remind us of your Twitter if uh, they maybe want to jump on that. At NeilMags2, that's N-E-I-L, at NeilMags2, two Gs. Fantastic. Yeah. So any further exclusives on Bradley Stokes, that's where you'll find them. Yeah, don't go to Greg James. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much. Cheers, man. Thank you. Cheers, man. And that was Neil Maggs, uh, one of our newest news reporters here at Bristol Live, talking to us about the great story that is Bradley Stokes joining Bradley Stoke FC. So thank you to Neil. And next, uh, we have Michael Young, education reporter here at Bristol Live, who's going to pop in and have a chat with us about a brand new BBC documentary that is on air at the moment. 
to do with schools in our area. Hi, I'm Michael Young. I am the education reporter on Bristol Live or Bristol Post. And um, I also do stories around schools and everything else around homelessness and yeah, other other valid topic yeah, yeah yeah well thank you for um popping in and having a chat with us you're welcome uh i make it sound like you've popped into something really like our studio but it's really not quite as glamorous as it's a studio yeah. of sorts <laughs> yeah sorry chris um tell us what you coming in to uh talk to us about today so hopefully uh we are now talking about school which is the new bbc2 documentary series it's a six-part series into um, three South Gloucestershire schools, obviously um, a patch that we cover. Mm-hmm. Um, they have gone into the schools, which are part of the Castle School Education Trust, or CSET, as we call it. And they've gone to Castle School, Marwood School, and they will be, by the time this comes out, going to Mangotsfield School. And so the three schools in CSET, which have opened their doors to cameras, mm-hmm. um, the production is done by a company called Label One TV, it's a London production company that did, if anyone remembers, Hospital, mm-hmm. which was a really good documentary series into the NHS. Mm-hmm. But as good as Hospital was, it did not prompt the same sort of conversation as school did. Mm. And uh, the last two episodes have been absolutely superb. Mm-hmm. It's just scary, but at the same time, a little hint of you know, hope. A flavour. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It, gave, it gave you a really good idea about what goes on behind schools. Mm. And uh, having covered education for oh, a good part of more than five years now, mm. nearly six, um, I like to think I have a good idea what happens in schools. And a lot of it is not what you think. A lot of it is not what parents think. Mm. Because let's be honest, parents drop their children off, go off to work and then pick the children up. <laughs> and so... <laughs> You don't necessarily know what goes on in the school, mm. and so this was this was a very very good insight. Yeah, um, but it's a very scary. Yeah. So is it filmed in the sense of sort of fly on the wall, children, pupils, staff, obviously aware that the cameras are there, but you don't. They're not necessarily interacting with the cameras. No, no, they, they do. They, they do, do interact. It is it's fantastic. They, they ask the parents questions, mm-hmm. which is quite scary to hear. They ask the teachers difficult mm-hmm. questions which again, quite difficult answers to hear sometimes, mm. especially if you're a local education reporter. <laughs> and uh, and then they speak to the the students. And now that is, that is the, that for me just blows my mind because yeah. very rarely do you get the chance to ask students about their truancy, about their problems with their mental health, mm. about problems with uh, school and exams and stress. So things that you hear about, but you don't really ever get a, an opportunity to, Talk to children about Talk it, to yeah. the, like the actual... Much less on camera. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, so as, and as a reporter, is that what you found actually quite honest um, and mm. quite scary, you've said, to, to hear I that. think I, I get to speak to, to... A lot of time, schools tend to put up their best students. Now, mm. I've been trying to move away from that for a few years now, saying mm. I don't necessarily want your best achieving students. I want the ones who have done something amazing. They have beaten the yachts to get there. Yeah, and you know the last two episodes have just shown that uh, the first episode with uh, a young lady called Chloe, mm-hmm. and it was fantastic to see Chloe then mm. go on to college. Um, and the second episode with uh, I think it will resonate with a lot of people, Henry. And I was like Henry when I was younger. I had a real problems with authority, a real problem with going to school. I had mm. a real, real problem with doing homework, 
and I used to call my teacher names and I used to have a, 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 a to their faces and I used to have a real problem walking out of class that sort really? of thing a terrible kid yeah. <laughs> you sound him. great <laughs> yeah but I looked at him and I went that would be me and yeah. I thank you know I thank God that, that none of the, my teachers gave up on me I had the support mm-hmm. I wanted back in the day but today you know mm. the people Henry's speaking to is the, is the head teacher is mm-hmm. the uh, is the teacher uh, it's not their job there should be a support worker, a behavioural support worker for Henry mm. to help him. But, you know, it's great to see the, the, the teachers and head teachers take such a personal interest and guide him through it. Mm. See him sit his GCSEs, fantastic. See him in a blazer, that's fantastic. Yeah. yeah. So what was the, what is the motivation behind going in and filming, obviously, these different schools? I mean, what is mm. the, I mean, there's been a tremendous reaction to it. And obviously there, there's a, a piece that you've written, which we'll come on to hopefully in, in a second. Um, but what, just, uh, you know, what, what, what are they hoping to achieve by sort of showcasing the, what it's really like behind? Obviously the, the biggest subject with school is funding cuts. Mm. And um, this morning, um, somebody, uh, sorry, we're obviously filming this on, on Wednesday morning, but somebody um, commented the day after the program that the Bristol Post could be a, a voice for important issues like education and I said <laughs> could well, be <laughs> I think, you, I think if, if you find out we've been writing about education funding for the last two years yeah. and a bit more and the thing is I think sometimes some of this people don't talk about funding cuts sound like a big grand political idea it sounds like something that parents can't do mm. anything about it sounds you hear it like, so much don't you yeah that, that children can talk about it you hear it so much you get a little bit sick of it mm. but it's going to affect your kid mm. and that's the truth and it's not going to be affect maybe just some children it's going to affect all children and mm. if i tell you that south gloucestershire council children are the worst funded in england and that doesn't scare you you know, it should. Yeah, it it parent, really, yeah. really should. Because there, there, wa- there was a time when Bristol was that local authority. And Bristol's going to face some of the biggest cuts in the new government scheme. But this, you know, coming back to obviously the topic, which is in South Gloucestershire, we are talking about nearly half of the funding that children in London get. It's not just about being fair or unfair. It means half the resources. Now, why should a child in South Gloucestershire need less than a child in London mm. it shouldn't be no. you know they need the same mental health support they need the same behavioural support they need the same um, special needs support they need the same one to one interaction they're all children mm. um, and so for parents who yesterday one of the parents on camera called it liberal stuff <laughs> caught funding cuts and liberal stuff and I, I felt so angry at that point because I was thinking this has nothing to do with liberal no. or if you're right wing or no. left wing or your politics there's nothing to do with that it's this just a cold hard fact cold hard fact yeah. this is about children it's a reality it is it is what it is yeah so this piece i mean i assume it touches on how funding cuts translate oh, yeah. into real life so mm. what i mean do we see in in these episodes you know uh instances where teachers are complaining about you know, a lack yeah. of resource or a lack of support or yeah. a lack of time with pupils? Is that something that we... Yeah, we come and see the head teachers um, who are talking about having to cut £6,000 from teachers' wages. And wow. it's not £6,000 across the board. It's everyone takes a £6,000 pay cut. Wow. Um, we're talking about at Marwood School, where the budget's gone from £5.4 to £2.6 over four years. Now, do that at any company, half any company's budget 
in four years and it will not be sustainable. Mm. Forget a school that must, must, by legislation, stay in the black. They are not allowed to go in the red. Otherwise, Ofsted comes in and the whole mm. thing goes up in smoke. Um, and so this is the real problem here is that schools cannot stay in the black. They struggle to stay in the black. Yeah. And um, so funding is a real issue. And mm. like you say, I know many of these head teachers. Yeah. Um, I've worked with them. I, I've I've helped them to account, as we found out <laughs> in Marwood. Um, but at the same time, I've always I've always spoken to them about the funding cuts problem. They've always been open about it. Yeah. But it was really heart wrenching to see how it affected them on a personal level. Mm. Now, James Pope, who's the former head teacher at Marwood School, he was very personally affected. Um, you, you you could just get that sense of it from yeah. that, from that. Well, sort of taking the difficulties of the job home with you, essentially. And yeah, there was there was that bit about him having to travel twenty miles every day to and fro from school, having four young children himself, and that this school was like his fi- his fifth baby, really. Yeah, and uh, it, you know, just looking at him and thinking. Mm. I feel really. I feel you feel sorry. sorry. Yeah. yeah. Um. Oh, I mean, you wrote a piece, uh, a, a fantastic piece, um, in response to the program, and I suppose the reaction. Um. Because obviously, it was it's a national program. It's on BBC Two. This mm. is it was trending or it does trend when it's it's on air. Um. Lots mm. of people uh, talking about it, and I, and and you did a, a brilliant piece which sort of touched upon, you know, the themes that were in that program, and you also talked about Ch- Chancellor Philip Hallam, Hammond, um, yeah. and his um. Sort of 400 extras. million pound yeah. budget boost as it were for the little extras yeah. i mean can you talk to us about when we hear about a 400 million pound budget boost uh, i mean and you captured it brilliantly in the piece but why why isn't that good enough why why is that not going to make the deficit's much much bigger than that because the cuts happen didn't it's not people who say the government will come up and say and dispute everything i'm saying right now and they will say we've put more money into education than ever before but what they've done is they've shifted the money around from one school to another taking from one school to another is not to give to another is not a, a way to solve a financial crisis um schools have been going through this problem since you know seven eight years ago it's not something that's new They've had problems with their funding cuts. Their funding been stagnant for such a long time mm. that by the time it builds to what it is today, they're so far behind the curve that you give 400 million to the thousands of schools around England, you're not going to make... 400 million is not a lot for thousands of thousands of schools. If you think we have... If you think 400 million is going to make any change to a school, mm. you know, let me give you an example. Marwood schools operating budget should be about 5.5 million 400 million is only 80 schools mm. yeah it's not enough i mean the figures yeah. is it's almost I, I, you can't really understand and that's why i would urge anyone to watch the program so that they can see mm. the things that you've talked about and actually see how it's playing out because you know mm. picturing 5.5 million and budgets and cut, yeah numbers are crazy it, it, it's like you know it becomes another number but i think that this what this program cuts across is all that kind of the figures and everything else and it gets really kind of straight to the heart of the the issues that we're now seeing and experiencing i agree i mean i hope philip hammond's watching, watching. It. <laughs> I hope philip hammond is, is or uh, damon Let's hines hope. you know the education secretary is reading my stuff because the truth is it was the it was mostly the the way he put it across i think that really irked people and the way that he called it a little extra so that they could buy their little things it was like here's some throwaway change mm. go and do what you want it's like you know your dad or mum telling you, all right, here is like 
a pound go and buy what you want yeah because you've been good mm. uh, it felt very it felt very uh, you know it just felt very condescending yeah you know? yeah well uh, the other piece um, or the other element to, to your piece was actually about a sort of call for arms about just highlighting what we can do what people can do yeah to do something about this mm-hmm. you know we talk about it and, and we're watching programs about it but what can what can we do? What what what's what can we do? What's in your story as a suggestion? Joining joining the campaign, you know, in um, May last year, we had this fantastic protest in Bristol, six thousand. You know, it's the it, it's the biggest protest mm. in England yeah. with regards to funding cuts. Well, it was, it was it was. I remember the pictures. It was unbelievable. Yeah, it was unbelievable. It shut the city it brought, down, didn't it? It brought the whole yeah. city to standstill. And the best thing about it, it wasn't the usual protesters that we you know you and i would know very well mm. from going to a lot of protests yeah. <laughs> bristol does like a protest yeah, th- yeah this was these, different this was yeah this one's different this one we had teachers who don't normally protest mm. we had parents and wonderfully we had children yeah and it was just incredible it was incredible to see all of them come out for it mm. in the run-up to that we had i think if i remember correctly we had eight small meetings now, when I went to the very first meeting in Hawfield, I can still remember in Hawfield Methodist Church, we had something like 20 people in a room. Mm. I came back with a story and I was immediately asked, is there going to be any interest in this? And I said, well, I don't know, but I think there will be. Let's keep writing about it. So I kept writing about it. And for the first eight stories really amounted to nothing. Mm. Just wasn't, ca- just wasn't There was catchy, only one yeah. meeting that was actually big and it had about 300 people. But the rest of it was just like, 30 mm. 20 30 people and now which uh, for, for anyone who might be listening who who goes to these meetings don't discourage anyone from obviously organizing no, this but no, no. it doesn't always translate into no. a story that is of wider appeal does it was it? one there and was that's just eight struggle. of us including yeah. me and i'm a reporter so um yeah it was very very strange uh, it was very small and when the protest morning came about um it was raining, which is not a good sign mm, for a I protest. That, yeah. And um, when I came along to College Green, I looked around, there was nobody there. And I was thinking, this is going to be a bit of a shambles. Mm. But obviously what turned out, everyone proved me wrong. And it was fantastic to see. Now Bristol can be at the forefront of this mm. uh, because Bristol is going to face um, it, the biggest cuts, one of the biggest cuts in all, all over the country. South Gloucester, lowest funded school. North Somerset, together with Bristol, in the top 10 in terms of, of the amount that's going to be cut from our budget. This is not just South Gloucestershire or CSET schools. This is every school. Mm. Sarah Baker, the head teacher of Redland Green School, one of the best schools in Bristol, previously written to parents asking for money. We've got other head teachers writing to parents saying, we've got no money for this. There are parent associations all across all across our city and all across South Gloucestershire and North Somerset Having to fundraise for things like loo roll, yeah. stationery. It's ridiculous. Yeah, and kids and wearing it, coats inside. Yeah. They can't turn the heating on. Yeah, because yeah. they can't fix the window. Mm. They can't get the heating warm enough. So children have to wear coats inside. It's basic elements that shouldn't you shouldn't even have to call into question. Yeah. I mean, Bristol is one of the richest cities and one of the most prosperous countries in the world. Mm. And our children are going through this. I mean, we should be very ashamed. Mm. Uh, we, sh- we really, really should be. 
Well, I hate to leave it on, a, <laughs> on that such note. A, but I mean, I can't say, I can't stress enough. Obviously, watch uh, the documentaries um, agree, yeah. weekly. When does it air? Every every Tuesday, uh, nine pm on BBC Two. Um, we're not obviously not the BBC. It's no, just no, it, but, but, but it is a fantastic program. I, 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 I don't know if there's time to add something, but yeah, it's essentially this. You know, one of the the one of the positive notes of this story is just watching the perseverance of teachers. Yeah. perseverance of parents perseverance of head teachers and how an entire community can come together to do something mm. and you know you've got to be proud of that as a as a local reporter to just see that the teachers in our area actually do it more than just for a paycheck it's not about a paycheck for them they they fight hard for these children mm. you've got to be proud of that yeah, yeah. absolutely um, yeah watch the program and mm. definitely head over to Bristol Live the website read your uh, recent coverage of it and anything else obviously because it is very much worth reading um, remind us of your Twitter just in so case. yeah you can find me on Twitter I talk about it a lot <laughs> for <laughs> some of my followers it's um, Michael underscore Young that's Y-O-N-G so you can find me on Twitter let me know your thoughts I'm always keen to talk to people so yeah brilliant well, there we are thank you very much Michael Young thanks Alex Thank you very much uh, to Michael for popping in to us and having a chat about that new documentary. Uh, That's it from us on Inside Bristol Live for this week. Uh, Before we leave you, don't forget you can rate, review and subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts or wherever it is you get your podcasts from. Also, you can follow us on Twitter, join in on the conversation by tweeting at IBL Podcast or you can find me personally at Mr. Alex Wood. But thank you very much for your time. Hope you enjoyed the episode. We'll see you next week.